Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into this week's message on the Antioch Indie Podcast. We hope you can step away from this message being encouraged and blessed and to move into your week in the mighty name of Jesus. Have a great day. Wow, I like church. Anybody go ahead and pull out your Bibles, pull out something to take notes with this morning. It can be your phone, it can be a notebook. We're a note-taking church here at Antioch. Open up your Bibles to Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40, it's in the middle. If you have to use the table of contents, that is okay. I do it too. Page 599 if you have my Bible, which you don't. Isaiah 40, we have been doing a series around here the last few weeks called Five Rooms. And uh, as the summer was ending and the fall starting, we've been talking about church here at church. Uh, we, we did a series called The Church That God Builds because we don't want to just be people who get together on Sunday mornings. We want to be a part of whatever the living God is doing in the earth. And we want to be the church that God builds. And we have been talking these last several weeks about the five rooms that make up the church that God builds. So often when we think about church, we just think about this one room. And this is a great room and it's an important room, but it's not all of it. And sometimes when we expect a, a little bit of something to be the whole thing, we get disappointed, right? So it's good to know what's the whole thing. We started off, we talked about personal devotion to Jesus, that we can't be the people of God that God's called us to be. We can't experience the things of God uh, if we don't individually live out a personal devotion to him. We talked about being the people who make disciples, who don't just keep this to ourselves, but we, as we're learning to follow Jesus, we help each other learn how to follow Jesus as well. Last week, we talked about uh, meeting house to house. We talked about life group. Anybody love your life group in the house of God? We love our life groups. And this week, we are talking about this room that we are in right now. One important piece of the puzzle, and it's a pretty lame title, but it's an important thing. You can title this message in this series, Our Corporate Gatherings. The times that we all get together, you know, Sunday mornings, the worship nights, the time where we all get to come together. If you're in Isaiah 40, say, I'm there. You guys are participating this morning. That's great. We believe church is a participation sport, so it's not just me up here. We're in this together, right? Isaiah 40, we're going to read the first five verses of Isaiah 40 as we get going. This is a little bit interesting. It's a, this Isaiah is a book of a, of a prophet, and so um, it doesn't read like a normal book that we would read. It's full of poetry and, and metaphor and imagery. And God is using, in, in this day, God was using a man named Isaiah to be the mouthpiece to his people. Because how many of you know God speaks? That's why we're here this morning. God speaks. And so it's a, it's a little bit interesting, but I think God's got something to say to us here in 2019. Isaiah 40, verse 1 through 5, it says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Who? Even if you don't get it, it sounds good. Did anybody in here grow up uh, in, in just in your life where just like going to church on Sunday has been pretty normal for you? It's been kind of maybe since childhood, okay, maybe 60, 70% of us. We're, we're living in a world where uh, people going to church on Sunday is real normal. 
It's normal for people. It doesn't mean that everybody does it, but it's at least a normal thing. People kind of know in the world that we're living in, in our city, in this nation, you know, people who love God or at least say they love God generally go to church on Sundays. People who say they love God, people who don't really know maybe what they think about God and are exploring, you know, you can go to a church on Sunday. Sometimes people who are getting dragged by their grandma, they show up to church on Sunday. Sundays is pretty normal. Churches are all over the place. You probably passed a handful on your way here this morning. And I just want to say I'm thankful for that. Uh, we can't fit a million people in this room. So we need a lot of churches. Amen. Amen. Normal, uh, normal. Church is pretty normal in our life. And uh, normal can get a pretty bad reputation. Am I right? Normal, especially when we start talking about the things of God, you know, walking with God or trying to read our Bibles, like normal gets a pretty bad reputation because normal sounds like mundane and mundane is boring and boring is bad. So therefore, normals must be bad, right? But normal isn't bad in and of itself. Uh, normal, normal's only bad if bad things are normal. Normal's really awesome if awesome things are normal. Like, if it's normal for you to pay your bills, that's a good normal. Am I right? You may think it's not exciting, but things get real exciting if that's not your normal. Normal in and of itself isn't bad. Normal in and of itself isn't mundane. Normal can be really exciting. And, and the Bible, as we talk about the church and the five rooms of church, the Bible is real clear about the normal church that God wants. And uh, like, like Jesus, if you read his words, if you look at his life and just look at the things that he said, his normal church uh, was, was like, go make disciples of all nations. There's, there's no, there's no uh, disruption in relationship between us based on our ethnicities or our race or our income. We all get to do this thing together. That's a good normal. His, his normal was things like, uh, go out and tell everybody that the kingdom of God is at hand. And, he, and then he said, this, your normal should be like, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils, cleanse the lepers. That was God's normal. And then you start reading through the book of Acts, which we did uh, a handful of weeks ago, and you start looking at normal church. Normal church looks like rushing wind going through a room. It looks like the baptism of the Holy Spirit and people speaking languages that they don't even know. It sounds like, or it looks like a whole church or a whole city coming around to one house to hear this gospel. It looks like 3,000 people in one day deciding, I want to follow Jesus and be baptized. And then it looks like more people making that decision every day after that. It looks like, you know, you pray and some rooms shake. It looks like worship and chains break. That's the normal church that God wants. That's God's normal. But oftentimes that's not our normal. Instead of that being our normal church, we say church is normal and we mean church is kind of mundane, kind of boring, so it's kind of bad. <laughs> that can be our normal. So where's the disconnect? Where's the disconnect? And between maybe what so many people think is normal for church and what God wants to be normal for church. I think a big difference between what God wants to be normal for his church and the normal that we experience is that the culture that we live in is very different than the culture that God wants to build. The culture that we live in is way more about me, but the culture of God is way more about we. I believe that in our me-centered culture, uh, that, that, that our me-centered culture can really often and easily leak into our church culture. And uh, 
in all of our talk about my calling and my gifting and my passion and, and what God wants to do for me and what God has done for me and what God wants to do through me, we may have created a church culture that like the world we live in is way more about me than it is about we. And there's nothing more boring, nothing more mundane, nothing more stagnant, nothing more impotent, nothing more normal than a group of people who all get together and individually think we are all here for me. If we want to be the church that God has called us to be, we've got to create a new culture. And that's what this opportunity is when we get together on Sundays. It's not just an event. This is where we come to build a culture. It's where we come to build the culture that God wants in his church. What is culture? Every group of people has a culture. Every friend group has a culture. Every family has a culture. Every company has a culture. Every life group here in our church, every neighborhood, every, every town, everybody, everything's got a culture to it. Everything's got a culture. See, culture isn't just... Something, it's, culture, when you talk about that out of a group of people, like it's not just what happens. Culture isn't just what happens. It's not just how things happen. It's, it's how those things are experienced when they happen. You know, it, it's, it's hard to kind of nail down exactly what culture is, but, but we've been talking over these chunk of weeks. We've talked about our vision, our vision to preach the gospel of the kingdom and make others great. Our vision is why we exist. That's what, our vision, that's what our vision is. It's why we exist. Our values is what this series is all about. We're talking about we have values of personal devotion, of making disciples, of being, meeting house to house, being here together. Those are our values. So our vision is why we exist. Our values is what we do to pursue that vision. That, that's how we're pursuing the vision. We're, we're living out the vision by executing the values. Are you tracking with me? Our vision is why we exist. Our values are what we do, but our culture is what it's like when we live those values pursuing that vision. Culture exists in every group of people, whether you're intentional about it or not. There's culture everywhere you go, everything you touch. And like we've already talked about this year, we, as the people of God, are called to be cultural architects. Not just jump in the flow, but we are called to build a culture. Rather than just sit back and go with whatever's normal, God is raising up a people who will build the culture that he wants built. So this morning in our abbreviated service, we're going to be talking about real clearly the culture that we are building. This isn't about me, the pastor of this church. You're not here for me. We're here for we. God wants to do something through we. This, this is not about what God wants to do through Andrew's life, so he planted a church. God's got something to do through we. And he wants to do it through we. He's interested in doing everything through a we. And if we want to be, if we want to have the culture that God has called us to have, we've got to build it. We've got to be intentional about it because it's going to be there whether we like it or not, so we might as well take charge of it. Amen? And so we're going we're gonna to talk about it. And because culture is such kind of a sensory experience, as we talk about culture and the culture that we want to have uh, at this church, as, as this we, when we get together, it, because it's a sensory experience, we've outlined our, our culture through kind of the five senses of what we have as human beings. So we're going to use the language of our five senses this morning and just get really clear. I'm just going to talk to you like this is a staff meeting. Does that sound good? We've been talking, we just celebrated three years and we said we've got seven more years of planting this church, right? 
we're planting for the first 10 years. We, we don't have this established thing that now we just improve. We're still planting. So that makes us the team, right? Look at the person next to you and say, it's on you. <laughs> number one, the, the number one part of our culture, the first part of our culture I want to talk about is honor is our sound. Honor is our sound. I see our five senses of our culture in Isaiah 40, first in verses one and two. The Bible says, comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. My people, says your God. When we were starting this church, before, right before we started this church, as we were starting it, and even to this day, three years in, people ask me as the pastor of the church often, who's the target audience? Who's the target audience for Antioch Indy? And I think it's a great question. I get it. It's a really good business question. It's an important question. And I, and I, I like it. I get it. And it's awesome. But uh, it's not really something to wrestle with. It's actually real simple around here. Our target audience is Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> This doesn't exist for you. <laughs> this doesn't exist for me. I, I want to be clear in this me-centered world we're living in. Jesus is the target audience of his church. He is our God and we are his people. Right off the bat, comfort, comfort, my people says your God. Jesus is our God and we are his people. Church, frankly, it's not all about people. It's not about you and it's not about me. It's about Jesus. Now that I've got some people triggered, listen to me carefully. <laughs> it is impossible to be about Jesus and not be about people. But it's easy to be about people and not be about Jesus. So if we're going to honor Jesus, if the, when we get together, the lives that we live, the songs that we sing, if we're going to create a sound of honor to Jesus... We have to honor each other. And it's outlined here and through the rest of verse 2. The Lord says, as he speaks to his people, speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Speak tenderly. He's talking about our sound. Our sound to the people of God. Our sound to our spouses, to our kids, to our friends, to our coworkers, to the people we even disagree with in our life. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Jerusalem represents the people of God. The people of God aren't just the people in this room. The people of God are the people that God loves. I don't know if you know, but God loves everybody. He's saying, speak tenderly to everybody. Anybody can speak truth, but will you take the time to do it tenderly? Speak tenderly. Cry to her that her warfare is ended. Are we making each other fight? Are we making each other fight? Am I making you fight? To make me believe in you? Am I waiting for you to prove it? Am I making you go to war about my against my judgments about you? My preconceived notions about you? Or am I championing the victory of Jesus in your life? Do I live a life that speaks to you? Your warfare is ended. God has come. Her iniquity is pardoned. Her iniquity is pardoned. Speak to my people. Her iniquity is pardoned. Are we defining each other by the sins of the past or are we calling each other into the freedom God has made us for? What are we calling each other to? She has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. We all struggle thinking, God, could God use us? Can I tell you this morning, God doesn't just give you grace for your sins. He gives you double. 
He gives you grace for the sins that you committed and he gives you grace for the calling that he's called you to. You have received double, double grace. No matter what it's looked like, what it's been, what it's done, you can't scare God, you can't, out, you can't out-sin God's grace. God gives you grace for your sin and God gives you grace for your calling. Could God ever use me? Could he ever? Not could he ever, he did double. There's more for you. Our on, honor is our sound. Honor is our sound. We will honor the Lord and we will honor one another with the sound that comes from the lives that we live. That's what God wants. Honor is our sound. We always see hope. We always see hope. Verse 3 says, A voice cries, In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Hope isn't just positivity and good vibes, and meditation. This isn't at all just be a good Christian and everything's going to be nice. Everything will be easy. could call up our brothers and sisters in Iran this morning and they'll tell us it's not true. That's not what, that's not what this is. That's not what hope is. Hope doesn't ignore hard. Somebody needs to write that down. We got to get that one, church, because it can be both. Hope doesn't ignore hard. See, hope, hope doesn't ignore the wilderness. In the wilderness. Hope doesn't ignore the wilderness. In the wilderness, prepare a way for the Lord. Hope sees that if I'm in the wilderness, it sure is going to be, miss, it sure is going to be hard to miss whatever God does because there's nothing else out here. I don't know what, I don't know when, but I sure will see it because there's nothing to distract me out here. It's just me and this wilderness. But if I'm going to be here, I might as well prepare a way for the Lord because he's coming. That's what hope says. Hope doesn't ignore the desert. Make straight in the desert, in the desert, a highway for our God. Hope doesn't ignore the desert. Hope sees that whatever God does next, it's for sure going to work because there's nothing else out here to stop him. See, honesty is seeing what is. Hope is having a vision for what is to come. And we can be honest and have hope. In fact, we have to be honest. And we have to have hope. Romans 15, 13 says that our God is the God of hope. The God of hope. That means that when I'm in the wilderness, when I'm in the desert, God might not do what I want him to do, but he will always be who I need him to be. That's what hope is anchored in. I can't get myself out of this wilderness, but I can make a way in this wilderness for the Lord because he is coming. I can't get myself out of this desert, but I will make straight the highway for our God because he's gonna come rolling in and the road might as well be freshly paved. I will keep my eyes on Jesus because when I see Jesus, I always see hope. I can always be honest about where I'm at. I can always be honest about where I'm at. Can I tell you, church, you can always be honest about where you're at. And, and I can always have hope in who Jesus is. We always see hope. Our touch brings joy. Our touch brings joy. The first part of verse four, it says, every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. Anybody ever been made glad that Jesus pulled you out of the valley of the shadow of death? 
Anybody ever been made glad by Jesus touching the mountain of your sin and making it melt? Touching the thing in your way between you and him. Touching the way between you and where you needed to be. And all of a sudden, he just seems to make it low. In Psalms, there's this verse, the, the, the writer of the psalm, he has this prayer. He says, God, would you restore to me the joy of my salvation? God doesn't promise that you're going to be happy all the time. Let's just get that one out. But it's okay, because there is always joy in salvation. It's okay for you to not be happy and still have gladness in heart. You can still carry joy, because the touch of God, when God touches you, he brings a joy that only he can give. God touches valleys. I love the touch in the valleys and the mountains. He doesn't just speak to the valleys. It says, every valley shall be lifted up. God's not just speaking to the valleys. He's putting his hand down in there and he's raising it up. He doesn't just speak to the mountain. He comes and he touches it and he makes it low. And as representatives of God, our touch should bring joy. Whenever we touch a situation, whenever we touch a relationship, whenever we touch an environment, whenever somebody rubs shoulders with us, just a little joy should rub off. There's a time for mourning. It doesn't mean everything's happy-go-lucky all the time, but it does mean there is always joy. In the midst of the mourning, Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation. In the midst of the struggle, Lord, Restore to me the joy of my salvation. In the midst of the valley, Lord, would you bring your touch of joy that lifts up the valley. In the middle of I can't move forward, God, would you touch. And with your joy, would you bring down the mountain that is in front of me. Our touch brings joy. We taste like grace. What, what is that? You know what I'm talking about? You take that bite of that new something and you know what most of it is, but there's that. What was that? I want to taste like that. I want to taste like that. Verse, second half of verse four, it says, the uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. That's what it should be like when people experience us. Really, no matter what you say, no matter what you do, somebody ought to walk away. That was so normal, but what was that? Grace levels the playing field. I want to say it again. Grace levels the playing field. Can I talk to you about a church that God wants to see where the playing field has been leveled by the grace of God? God says, I'm going to make the uneven ground level and the rough places a plain. It means you don't have to come into church and try to walk on eggshells because it's just uneven. And some people are elevated here and some people are pushed down, down here. And I don't know where I fit and I don't need to, I don't know how I fit in. And No, the uneven ground is level by the grace of God. If you needed grace, it's level. Nobody needed grace more than you. Grace makes the uneven ground level. You shouldn't have to walk like it's uneven ground around the people of God. You shouldn't have to watch your step. 
He makes the rough places a plain. This means that nobody around here is waiting to trip you up. And nobody's waiting around for you to trip up. Because the rough places, there's a plain. We're not looking for people just to, oh, yeah, see, I knew you'd stumble. No, the, the, the rough places, we've made them a plain so we can walk free. It's a lot easier to run faster or farther on even ground. It also means that if we're going to taste like grace, if we're going to make the rough places a plain, I think that it talks about our relationships. We need to tend to our relationships with one another with grace. Our relationships need to taste like grace. We need to be diligent to allow grace to remove the stones of offense in our path, to remove the roots of bitterness that spring up. We need to allow grace to do some gardening on our path. Am I right? So many people are hindered from being able to run freely because of all their relationships are so rocky. And I'm not really talking about conflict. Like there's a place for that and that conversation needs to happen. But this morning what I'm talking about is that sometimes we make our own way rough when we don't give each other grace. It makes your path rough when you don't give somebody else grace. Nobody can make you stumble. You got to root that thing out. We got to taste like grace. We got to apply grace to the people around us. We got to give grace to the people around us. When, we got to give grace when we're judging people by based on what we see or don't see on social media. We got to give people grace when they don't believe like we believe, when they don't think like we think, when they don't have an opinion like we have an opinion, when they don't vote like they vote, like we vote. We've got to give people some grace that we don't understand. We got to just give some people grace because it's making me trip when I don't do it. We taste like grace. Some people, something that people ask about in church, a churchy conversation, if you've ever spent much time around church, is, well, what's the balance between grace and truth? What's the balance between grace and truth? But John 1's really clear. It says that Jesus, when he came, he came full of grace and truth. Jesus didn't balance grace and truth. He did the whole thing all the way, all the time. That's the cross, 100% truth, 100% grace. It's not a little here and a little there. It's the whole meal deal all the time. There is no balance. It's always both of both. And the truth is, the truth is, I know that we need to speak truth and we need to be honest about some things. And sometimes you got to call somebody on something. But really, the truth is, the real truth is that most of the time, what most people need most is grace. Most people, most of the time, don't mostly need you to tell them how they're not perfect. I see a lot of my weaknesses very well. Sometimes there's some blind spots, yes. But most of the time, the truth is, I need the truth of the grace of God. I know, I know, I can tell where I'm falling short. I may be able to tell very clearly where we disagree. I may be able to, it may be very obvious where we are different. But can we just give each other some grace? Most of the time, the truth people need most is that there's grace. I want to taste like it. We ought to taste like grace. And we smell like faith. We smell like faith. Verse 5, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. When I, walk home, when I walk into the house in the evening after being gone at work, um, if, if Heather's cooking up some dinner, uh, a dinner that she likes to make, if she's cooking something, I, I can't see it from where I'm standing. 
when I walk in the door. And, and most, most of the time, no matter what she's cooking, it doesn't necessarily sound any different from anything else that she might cook. And I'm not close enough to touch it to find out what it is. And I can't taste it yet, but it's not done cooking, but I can smell it. I know she's up to something. Because <laughs> I can smell it. Real faith can only be smelled. Hebrews 11 says it's the assurance of what we hope for. It's the conviction of things we can't see. Faith means that we've we got to smell like faith. It means that, that when we can't see what God is doing from where we're standing. It means that when, when I can't seem to hear the voice of God in the midst of all the other noises in my life where it all sounds the same, I can't tell what he's saying. I can't tell what he's shouting. I can't tell what voice to look for. I can't see it from where I'm standing. I, I can't seem to hear it through all the noise. I, I'm not close enough to touch whatever it is that I think God might be doing. And I can't taste it yet because it's not done cooking. But I know God's up to something. God's up to something. I can smell it. When we walk in this room, it should hit us like a ton of bricks. It smells like people believe God's about to do something. It smells like people who believe the glory of the Lord's about to be revealed. It smells like a people who believe all flesh will see it together. It smells like a people who, who believe that it's for sure going to happen because they can't see it, they can't hear it, they can't touch it, they can't taste what is needed right now, but God said it, and they can smell it. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. That's what I want to smell like. It ought to smell like faith when we get together. It should hit you. Whew, I don't know what's going on in here, but it smells kind of good, though. I can't put my finger on it. It's coming. It's coming. We got to smell like faith. This is our culture. This is not the culture I'm building as the pastor of the church. This is the culture we are building as the people of God. Honor is our sound. We always see hope. Our touch brings joy. We taste like grace and we smell like faith. We've got a vision that we exist for. We've got values that we're living out so that we can accomplish the vision, but that's what it's gonna be like as we do it. That's who we are. That's who the person sitting next to you is. That's what you're invited into as a Christian somebody who wants to follow Jesus. That's what you're invited into. A culture that might just change the world. I just think if we could nail the culture part, see, that's the thing that makes it different, right? Okay, I'll be done. I'll be done. No, 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 it's nothing bad. It's nothing harsh. I'm just saying it's time to be done. If I'm sweating up here, the kids' workers must be sweating real hard. They got no AC. So, uh, if you've been here before, or if you're new here this morning, usually we end with a worship song and all that sort of good stuff, but we're not going to do that this morning. But we are going to stand as we close. There's a record, 63 minutes. It's pretty good. I'm going to pray for us that we would be filled with the Holy Spirit, that we would live out this culture, that when people run into you, when people run into me, and when people run into we, this is what they would be experiencing. 
This is what your family needs. This is what your friends need. This is what our city needs. This is what the nations of the earth need. Not a people just obsessed with me, but a people committed to we. It's not about the way I want it, the time I want it, the way it goes, the length I want it, the song I want. This is we. God's up to something. And we've been called to be a part of it. So I'm going to pray for us. And then I've got just a couple of things to share with you uh, as we leave, like two minutes. Uh, If you could stay with us, that'd be awesome. And then we'll be dismissed. And uh, since we have so much extra time, just hang out all day here. But if you're here this morning and something that, I, something that I was sharing as we talked through the word of God, if the Holy Spirit was convicting something in your life where you're like, man, I need to, I need to grow in that part of living out that culture. Um, I just want you to, just, and you're like, I need to respond. We believe it's important to respond to the word of God. Even, even when there's no keys, we can respond to the word of God. Amen. Um, so if that's you, if you're like, man, I need to respond. I need to do something before I leave here to just recognize, okay, God, I got a step to take. I want you to just kind of put your hands out in front of you or you can put your hands up or whatever. And I don't, I'm not watching for it. It doesn't matter. It's just for you. So if you're like, yeah, I've got something to respond to, that's kind of going to be our response this morning instead of coming up to the front. Just put your hands out or your hands up as I pray. Lord, we love you and we do invite you, Holy Spirit, uh, to come and shape us and move us. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for outlining so clearly what it is that you're calling us to. It's like you've really set us up to be able to do this thing well. And we appreciate it. And we want to be a part of it. Holy Spirit, we do ask that you would come and fill us and cover us and soak us and empower us with your Holy Spirit. That we would be able to do the things that you've called us to do. We would have the boldness to do them. That fear wouldn't hold us back. And uh, Lord, we just commit to, uh, when it's necessary, not go with the flow. For the glory of God, we do believe in everything that you've called us to and who you've called us to be. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.